Welcome to the Beyond Barriers podcast. If you're an ambitious woman who wants to advance in leadership, then this podcast is for you. This podcast is co-hosted by Nikki Barua, digital innovator, serial entrepreneur, author, and speaker, and Monica Marquez, senior corporate leader, ex-Googler, and diversity expert. From inspiring stories to cutting-edge strategies, you'll learn how to develop the skill set, mindset, and tool set to get future-ready fast and accelerate your success. Hi, I'm Mickey Barua, your host for this episode. Strong leadership is rooted in intellectual curiosity about how things work and what drives people. But if you're an introvert, how do you build those relationships and find your voice? Our guest today is Shifra Antonov, a brilliant leader and an introvert who reveals what helped her reach the top of her industry and build a powerful professional network. Shifra believes that the key is caring about people and helping them achieve their goals rather than focusing on what you can get from them. When you follow your curiosity, you will find your way to success, whether it's with relationships or results. Shifra followed her passions even as a young mom of twins and with the help of her supportive husband has become a global leader in her industry. Today, Shifra is the global head of research at Prequin, carrying the remit of obtaining valuable data and insights on alternative assets, contributing to the industry's most comprehensive private capital and hedge fund data sets. Previously, she was with Contigo, BlackRock, and Bloomberg. In addition to being a top executive, Shifra has been an active mentor at Rutgers Business School, for which she received a Mentorship Excellence Award in 2018. In addition, she was also shortlisted by Waters Technologies Women in Technology and Data Awards for Risk Professional of the Year. She is a proud, lifelong nonconformist who has a lot of stories to tell us about how to build great relationships and lead a team. Visit imbeyondbarriers.com where you'll find show notes and links to all the resources in this episode, including the best way to get in touch with Shifra. Hi, Shifra. Welcome to the Beyond Barriers podcast. We're so thrilled to have you here today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited. Well, you have an amazing career history and uh, amazing accomplishment. So let's just uh, dive right in. Uh, tell us about your formation story. Absolutely. So if there's one thing that I've learned, is it's really about trusting your instincts. So with every decision that I've made throughout my life, whether it is what college I chose or what job to take, I would look at every angle of a decision. But in the end, I pursued what it is I really wanted even Mm. if I had resistance. So I I made unpopular decisions, whether when I had twins who were six months old, I was interviewing for a role that would require me to be in the office at 630 in the morning. Wow. And and at the time, friends and family were really against it. Oh, no, how can you do this? You know, this this is you're not going to form a bond with your kids. You're going to be working a lot. But my husband, Michael, was very, very supportive and we made it work. We um, we actually in those days, we didn't have FaceTime, but we bought a TV phone. So every day after work, I would get on the TV phone and I would sing to them and I made these little recordings for them like Jarrell and Superman, <laughs> um, just singing to them, talking to them. And, and really, um, we have a very bright relationship. So in the end, um, that instinct is what kept me going. And then on the flip side, uh, having an inkling and knowing emotionally when to get out of a situation. I, have, mm. I tend to have a tickle in my throat when I'm in a conversation with someone and it doesn't seem quite right. Um, it's not going where I want or I, I can't trust. It's really a survival instinct that I've had to learn from my upbringing, knowing when to leave a situation, leave a job or even a relationship. 
Mm. You know, what's fascinating to me about what you just shared is that you come from the world of finance and data, and yet what you're talking about is trusting your instincts uh, and intuition. Um, tell us more about kind of like how have you leveraged both of those, both the, uh, I guess, the uh, instinctive side and, and also looking at data and the rational side to really gain clarity from where you were, you know, originally starting out to like really figuring out what is the right path forward for you? Yeah, absolutely. It's a great question. So I remember earlier in my career, it's a science and an art that you kind of yeah. define over time. It was very much by the numbers. I would look at, mm -hmm. okay, well, this is how we ran our project before. So we're going to follow these same steps. But every now mm -hmm. and then you encounter a roadblock. And one of my managers at the time said, you know, you've got to go with the flow too. You can't always, not everything is a picture perfect project or assignment. Mm. So feeling that instinct, reading the room and understanding, well, maybe we need to do something different and more adaptive and mm -hmm. refining that with people and relationships. It's like also your staff, you have guidelines that you're setting for a role um, an opportunity. Mm -hmm. And you may have exceptions to that process. You may have situations that, and we need to be more flexible. We're seeing mm -hmm. this in the job market. So all in all, really learning from reading the room more and not mm -hmm. just looking at the data itself. Yeah. Um, so um, given the space that you're in, it's, it's a you know, unique space to be in. And also uh, the leadership position you hold is very inspiring to people that may aspire to that career path. First off, uh, perhaps describe for our audience specifically what you do today and then share with us, how did you get there? Was it a linear path or was it a winding journey? Yeah, absolutely. So today I run the global research division at Prequent. Prequent is the home of alternatives. So we're the premier data provider on alternative assets data, data on private mm -hmm. capital hedge funds. And my remit is to gather the most up-to-date research from people in the industry who work at firms that are raising funds or investing in the industry and gather them through journalistic conversations. It's entirely predicated on relationship building. It's all the human yeah. aspect because a lot of this information isn't available in the public domain or in filings. And so it, it is about listening and interacting. My career was largely based around providing either data or tools to uh, the financial services industry. So from my early years at Bloomberg, I was on the data side gathering mm -hmm. data, entering it in, in the terminal for you know, various market products that were mm -hmm. on the public side. So public equities, derivatives as well. And then um, while I was there, I pursued an MBA part-time and, and I, Bloomberg actually had a wonderful program where they reimbursed it. And one of my professors at Bloomberg, who I built a relationship with, um, one of my professors rather in the MBA program, worked at BlackRock. Mm. And he had took, taken my resume. At that time, BlackRock wasn't as well known back in, in 2003. Mm -hmm. And so I was able to interview there. And I had a long run. I worked there for roughly 13 years in a variety of roles all around providing clients quality systems to help them manage their investment process. So then I learned not just on the data side, but how they operate, how they enter trades, mm -hmm. how, how they run their compliance. 
how they reconcile their positions. After 13 years there in a space which also focused heavily on fixed income, I realized, wow, this is, I've had a great run and I've learned a lot, but I want to learn and pivot into in other areas. So I switched to Axioma, which was known for state-of-the-art equity risk models, as well as portfolio optimization modeling technologies, which weren't native within BlackRock systems. Mm. And then um, I had a great run there and uh, I was there for four years. And then I got a call from a recruiter who um, I wasn't really looking actively, but it was mm-hmm. one of those instinctive conversations where I liked what I was hearing about this opportunity to run the global research division at Prequin on alts, alternatives, an area that I didn't learn. So really yeah. pivoting into spaces that I was able to learn about, that's how my mm-hmm. career progressed, but all on the track on providing solutions to clients. What's interesting is that it sounds like you followed your curiosity at every step. It's like you your career evolved as a result of things you were curious to learn about and didn't know yet. So how did you gain the courage to do that? Because oftentimes what we hear from our audience is that they're in a certain industry or career path and they're afraid to make change uh, because it's all the unknown and the risk and uncertainty there. And they're, uh, you know, and yet when you switch lanes, there's a whole new world that opens up and it makes you far more valuable across industries. So share with us perhaps your method of kind of stepping into the unknown and how you gain the courage and confidence to, you know, pursue those paths. For me, very intellectually curious. So I'm a voracious reader. I read math books. I read nonfiction fiction, read a lot of different news wires. And it, it, it actually leads to a lot of different directions where I'll, I'll go on, oh, wow, well, you know, like last year, I was really following Bitcoin <laughs> and, yeah. and, and, and reading a, a number of uh, primers there. So it takes me in a lot of different directions. So the antennas go up and I see, okay, how can I align the skills that I have to these other areas, this is really interesting. The other piece mm-hmm. is I do a lot of networking. So one mentor at one point recommended you should at least talk to one person a week who you don't work with, who is not a friend, because it's a way for you to <clears throat> expand your knowledge. You gather more data points. You also share mm-hmm. and you can collaborate. And having these mm-hmm. meaningful conversations, and I use a lot of resources, whether it be LinkedIn, Mm -hmm. Um, to identify people, or if I read an interesting blog, I'll see if I know someone associated with the writer or the company. So from then, I go and uh, build those relationships. Mm. So it's really a combination of, you know, when there's uncertainty and unknowns, you know, study it. So you educate yourself, but also maybe learn through the experience of people in those spaces and collectively you're triangulating and, you know, uh, more understanding and therefore removing the fear. I think that's very actionable for anyone listening to this. Um, I think that's a great way, a very practical way of stepping into new situations. So let's say you've done that um, and yet you encounter a situation where you're the only at the table. I'm sure that's happened to you many times over your career, right? Right. Um, how what techniques have really helped you sort of, uh, you know, overcome fears or limiting beliefs in those situations um, and, and really, you know, step into 
uh, that position of power. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I believe mentorship, sponsorship should be a two-way street. And when it isn't, or it becomes transactional, it's no longer fun. Yeah. So, you know, in those situations, sometimes you connect with people, sometimes you don't. And so, trying to understand the agenda of the other person. So why mm-hmm. are they being this way? Maybe they're having a bad day. It could be as simple as that. And you can go back to the table at a later date. I mean, how many of us have had first bad impressions of people? Mm-hmm. And then you come back, wow, you know, you're very different than yeah. I thought you were. So I, I usually do give it a try on a different day. And, you know, maybe this and and I'll do time out, you know, I'll, I'll say, you know what, it sounds like this isn't the best time for you. Why don't we reschedule mm-hmm. for another day? Because there could be stresses. You never know what's going on in yeah. life, what they're going through, what they're thinking about. Um, I, I do find for me, statistically, Fridays are a great day for networking conversations. <laughs> People are uh, normally in, in wonderful moods and they're more giving of, of their yeah. thoughts and their time because they're really thinking ahead. Monday's not such a great day um, of the week uh, to, to actually have those conversations. People are very focused. What do I need to do for the rest of the mm-hmm. week? And, and they're not 100% in. So yeah. there's a timing element. And actually, we use that a lot in the research we do when we're looking to gather research. We, sh- we shouldn't make amateurish um, calls like calling on the last day of the quarter. Not a good yeah. time to reach out yeah. to someone, right? When they're trying to, to wrap up everything. So you have to sort yeah. of be pragmatic. Um, don't schedule a four o'clock meeting on a Friday, things like yeah. that. <laughs> yeah, makes sense. So, um, you know, one of the um, spaces that uh, we hear from a lot of uh, women that listen to our show is, finding your voice, uh, you know, having the confidence to speak up and express your point of view, especially with, when it's your own perspective, which is separate from subject matter expertise, right? Uh, this is just having an opinion on something and feeling comfortable speaking up in a conference room or at a meeting and so forth. Given your role and the nature of your role, I'm sure that is something you have to do quite frequently. Can you perhaps share a practical tips or things that have helped you um, express opinions, even if they're contrarian, even if someone's likely to say, well, no, Shifra, you're wrong about that and still hold your own. Yeah, you know, it's a very good question because I I went on a journey myself. Um, I historically would never question authority and decision-making. I was all about compliance. and But as I grew my career, that I learned that I actually offered solutions to problems. And when you're quiet in meetings, and I was for a number of years, people on the other end, they don't know what you contribute or what you bring. Mm-hmm. So it, it really initially uh, slowed down my growth when I was, I said, I'm just going to go in, I'm going to take it in. I'm the yes man. I'm just going to do mm-hmm. exactly what they say. But oftentimes, I, you know, realizing we all have ideas and sometimes you present something and it's it's a real clunker, but at least you're getting your voice out there. So I think for myself, I realized that, you know what, I'm here to solve a problem. Um, I'm, I'm not in this meeting to just be listening or, or mm-hmm. auditing. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm an active participant. So I try, I'm not a frequent talker in meetings, but I try to make it my a point. I'm going to say one thing in every meeting. Maybe it's at the mm-hmm. end of the meeting, but I will make sure I get my point across. 
Mm. And, and especially if it's a meeting with, you know, a small size, it's easy to do. If you have hundreds of people, then, you know, you also have to look at the format of the mm. meeting itself. The other thing that I do as from a leadership, I, I look for them, I read the room and I want to make sure every one of my leadership team is speaking in meetings. And if I see someone is quiet, I will try to understand why position that person for success. So some mm-hmm. of us are introverts, some of us are extroverts. I'm actually an introvert. Mm. I took the Susan Cain scale test. I'm far yeah. on the introvert scale and yeah. I've had to overcome that. And so I will talk privately with an individual and I'll say, hey, you know, like what I notice you're quiet. You have a lot of great ideas and they're uncomfortable. Let's prep a little so then I can mm-hmm. position you for success. So I am going to call on you in the meeting. And you're going to say something and you'll have, you'll be prepped and doing that a few times gives people confidence. So in my Mm. world, I love, and I also I'll challenge ideas, but I'll ask my team to challenge mine. I said, listen, break it apart. Mm -hmm. Tell me what's not right about this. Here's an idea. Here's something I sketched and, and just tell me what you don't like about it. Oh, that's fantastic. Yeah. Those, uh, uh, it's, it's a powerful, uh, Thing about not just finding your voice, but helping other people find their voice and, and doing it in a very pragmatic way. What if you could pinpoint the invisible ceilings limiting your success? Imagine having clarity on your strengths and barriers so you can take action and gain unstoppable momentum to advance as a future ready leader. Well, that's exactly what the Beyond Barriers quiz will help you discover. You'll get your personalized score based on the 25 essential elements proven to accelerate success in the digital age, so you can understand what's holding you back and where to focus your efforts. The Beyond Barriers quiz is completely free and takes just a few minutes. Go to imbeyondbarriers.com slash quiz and take the quiz today. So I want to pivot to talking about uh, adapting to change. Uh, you know, we're living in a world where everything is uh, changing really fast. Uh, and uh, unless we're agile and adaptive, we are going to get left behind. And you're in a space of the fintech world where things are moving at light speed with uh, tremendous innovation. And uh, it's not just enough for organizations to adapt, but even uh, for individuals to stay at the cutting edge and stay ahead of the curve. What specifically do you do? to constantly learn and stay ahead of the curve. What are some interesting habits, rituals, what have you, like on a daily basis, just for you, like not because your job requires it, but how do you stay at the cutting edge? Yeah, excellent question there. So I certainly, in a lot of my conversations, I will ask people, what are the, what books are you reading? And Mm -hmm. what are, you know, some publications that you frequent? Because then I might learn about, I might be missing an area of the market Mm -hmm. that, you know, and that's certainly one way, but I also look for training programs and, and wherever possible. I mean, when I was running a cloud operations team, I took an Azure, I said, I signed myself up. I took an Azure fundamentals course Um, and, you know, I I just signed up and I did that and I took the test and fortunately I passed it, but you know, these additional certifications last year, I did a data governance program because that was a program that, that we'd been rolling out and a lot of firms are, are rolling out um, mm-hmm. in the financial space. And, and so I'm always looking for those types of opportunities, things that I know could fit my schedule 
that touch mm-hmm. on an aspect of work that I, I, I know that would actually benefit me having more of the taxonomy. Mm-hmm. So one thing I, I was thinking about was machine learning courses, because mm-hmm. at least to it to really demystify that world. I'm not that I'm going to be going in and coding um, mm-hmm. and building these solutions, but these are technologies that we're looking at. Yeah. Yeah. So just diving right in because, uh, you know, you don't have to be a practitioner to educate yourself about new spaces. And it's only when you keep learning that the dots connect as, uh, you, as those areas unfold. Um, you know, you mentioned early on about your job, which required you to be in the office at 630 in the morning mm-hmm. while you had young uh, twins. Um, clearly, there is an approach to how you manage all the various areas of your life and uh, are effective at execution that has served you well. Uh, that's an area that so many people struggle with in in terms of, gosh, I can barely keep up with my nine to five job, let alone uh, go do an MBA on the side or take on other responsibilities. What has helped you be really effective at execution? And, uh, you know, what are some techniques that have served you well in terms of focusing on the right thing at the right time? Yeah. Awesome question. So I think the first is you need to listen to your, your body, your mind, and your heart. So for me, mm. I'm very, um, I, I need to be well, I need to be healthy. And I need mm-hmm. to, uh, so I have a very fixed ex- exercise regimen. I do yoga every day. Um, and also really, because you need gas to power <laughs> yeah. what, what it is that you do. And also spiritually, for, for me, I'm, I am a very spiritual person. And I, I know that whether it is helping or volunteering or working mm-hmm. locally uh, in our synagogue uh, committees, these are ways that I can stay connected and that gives me mm-hmm. that, that structure. Um, but what I also think is important is being organized. So what I do with the consistency is a lot of pre-planning. So I keep a calendar of my personal activities that I need to do and professionally, and then I back into, okay, what do I need for that? Like for getting mm. passport photos or, or, or uh, we have to renew passports in the mm-hmm. Ensenoff household. Okay, <laughs> we need to take the picture. We need that. So I break up each of my weeks into goals that I'm looking to mm-hmm. accomplish. And if it's a big project at work, I'll break it up into sections. So today I'll read 10 pages of the white paper and then tomorrow 10. And that way I always feel that this compartmentalizing is getting me closer to each of my individual goals by doing it in that fashion. Wow, I love that. That is uh, truly powerful, making a big problem smaller and really figuring out mm-hmm. when you can handle what task. But it sounds like you also have structures in your day-to-day life that provide the right foundation for support and well-being. Um, you know, it, are there specific things that you, you know, do in terms of self-care on a daily basis? I know you mentioned yoga, but are there other things that are sort of your non-negotiables, if you will, that are really important from a self-care or mental health standpoint? Yeah, I mean, drinking a lot of water, quite yeah. important. Uh, eating healthy, making sure I have my fill of vegetables and um, and I do reward myself. I do have a sweet tooth. So everyone <laughs> and everyone knows me. I love my daily cookie or sweet, yeah. you know, and I, and I, I stay grounded because it's not always 
you know, to the letter, you know, there are times yeah. where you want to go and splurge and have an ice cream sundae, but you, yeah. you do make it fun. And then at the end of the day, you do feel that accomplishment, like, oh, wow, I moved a step closer or I helped someone find a job. Something that I do enjoy, I, I do a lot of mentorship of friends mm-hmm. or anyone who's looking for work. And, you know, uh, if I identify talent and who do I mm-hmm. know that might have a role for this individual. So that's something I also love to do. And I want to make sure that I'm making an impact every day in helping someone. Um, And that, that is really, really important to me. That's beautiful. Um, Speaking of uh, helping others and building community, uh, it sounds like both the nature of your uh, role requires you to, it's very relationship driven, but it's also something that you've, uh, nurtured very effectively. What what is the key to building uh, great relationships and like you know developing a powerful professional network? That's a a very good point. In terms of relationships, what I think is is that when you meet someone, you need to really give your whole self to that individual. So if you're coming in with an agenda, and a lot of mm-hmm. senior execs will see right through it, like, oh, this person is only talking to me because they want a job or this and that. Mm. You need to make it more. You talk about you as a person. like, and, and what I love to do is sending notes to people. Oh, I read this article or I'm reading this book and I thought of you. You know, just putting yourself in mm. and that is really what, what resonates with people. I mean, anybody can, you know, you can send a, a bottle of Dom Perignon to someone, but when you send a book with a note in it, wow, you know, I read this book and I thought of our conversation the other day and I, I thought you should have it. You know, that mm-hmm. thoughtfulness is really what goes mm-hmm. a long way. And I've built such um, meaningful relationships through the years in business and across groups of friends where, um, you know, just letting people know, because I am busy, yeah. but that I can let them know that I've been thinking about them. Oh, that's, that's uh, wonderful. Um, as an introvert, what have, uh, what has specifically kind of helped you overcome the introversion and still be effective at socializing or networking? And I ask that because I'm a huge introvert as well. And, uh, you know, I'm off the charts introvert and, uh, you know, it, uh, large social gatherings uh, or heavy networking can sometimes be draining. So what, what has worked for you? I'm curious to swap notes on that. Absolutely. And so, you know, one of the things I I work with a performance coach, Dr. Alton Cass, and uh, I view, you know, I've uh, looked very closely at what my shortcomings are. And, you know, you take those psychology tests and this is one of the things that, that showed up. And one of the pieces of advice that I was, that he'd given to me was that, you should, you need to build muscle memory on human interaction. So you do need, you know, try to pick one person every day to talk to, could be at your company who you haven't spoken to and, and just have a conversation. Don't even talk about work. And it gets you in this, the, the mode of, okay, um, this is how you do things. This is how you interact. And people probably wouldn't believe that you're an introvert or I'm an introvert. Uh, my yeah. husband thinks I gained the test, but, <laughs> but in reality, I mean, that that's one thing, but the other piece is because as an introvert, our energy comes from also thinking in an independent fashion, you do, you do need to make time for yourself. So I love mm-hmm. to read and throw myself in a book and sit by myself and everyone in my household knows don't bother mom when she's reading <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> because that you need that time for yourself because you, yeah. you can't be constantly 
out of your safe zone because um, mm-hmm. it's out of your comfort zone, really, yeah. to, to have all these conversations. What I also find is what works for me is the one-on-one conversation like mm-hmm. we're having now. Um, yeah. I do very well with and, and I thrive with that. Um, so just continuing to do that and just make it is going to be a little uncomfortable, but just push yourself to do it. Because mm-hmm. the more you do it, the easier it becomes. I, I completely agree with everything you've said. It's the same thing that I need. I need to have my daily time, alone time with a book uh, as my way of uh, sort of, you know, rejuvenating, if you will. Uh, but I think part of it is small talk is uncomfortable uh, versus meaningful conversations, especially when they're one on one. So on that, let's uh, dive into our lightning round questions. Um, I'm so curious to learn all of this and about you and share it with our audience. So are you ready? Yep. All right. Okay. Uh, so first off, what book has greatly influenced you? So interestingly enough, Adam Grant's Give and Take, it's a book mm. that resonates with me about the different types of people. So the world is broken into givers, those who give more than they take, takers who take more than they give, and matchers, quid pro quo. So this book focuses on the individual drivers of success, passion, hard work, talent, um, and luck. But today's reconfigured world success is really increasingly dependent on how we interact with others. So it, it was personal to me because my late maternal grandmother, Lillian Levy, was the consummate giver. She was charitable. She would give charity anonymously. I mean, a great story during the Great Depression. Um, and they, you know, everybody was suffering, but they would, she and her father would put bottles of milk on the doorstep of other, of neighbors who they knew had children, but they did it quietly and they didn't want to embarrass them. And no one knew, I mean, they would be bringing in, you know, um, Mm -hmm. and, and just, that's how she learned to give. And it really inspired me as an individual. Wow. That's beautiful. Um, what is your favorite inspiring quote or saying? Learning to love myself and not being my own worst self-critic. Mm. Yeah, I think it's, uh, uh, you know, it's partly uh, uh, imposter syndrome that so many high achievers struggle with. And then also, uh, I think women in particular are quicker to give uh, than to give them to themselves. Uh, what is the one word, a moniker you would use to describe yourself? Nonconformist. Ah, <laughs> love it. Tell us more about that. I'm always beating at my own drum. And that's what people uh. would say, you know, my girlfriends. Uh, so I, I guess it's really um, I'm the, the creative side of my thinking. So I'll look at a problem from a very different angle and well, have we thought of this or have we thought of that? And um, say, wow, only you would come up with it. <laughs> so, um, you know, and it, it's a lot of fun because, you know, you're not necessarily doing what everyone expects you to do. You're, yeah. you're doing things, you know, the way that, that you feel is right. That's amazing. What is the one change you implemented that made your life better? For me, it was really learning cognitive strategies that put me in control of situations because perception Mm. means everything in terms of performance and your reaction to life and career events. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's so true. 
All right. And then what power song would you want playing as you walk out on stage? Pat Benatar's Invincible. Ooh, I love it. <laughs> <laughs> well, you are invincible, Shifra. This was uh, such a delight. Uh, I love your story. I love how practical your advice is uh, in something that everyone uh, watching the show or listening to it can adopt for themselves and actually gain more clarity and confidence to advance in their careers as well. So thank you so much for taking the time to join us today. And uh we're uh, going to keep uh, cheering you on and looking forward to your continued successes. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to the Beyond Barriers podcast. There are thousands of podcasts out there, and we are so grateful that you've chosen to listen to ours. If you enjoyed the show, please leave us a rating and tell a friend about it and subscribe to get new episodes every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Visit IamBeyondBarriers.com where you'll find show notes, links, and the best way to connect with our guests. See you next episode.